Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So today, our guest is Sam Eisenberg. He's a seasoned entrepreneur and a startup advisor who has been involved in various ventures over the years. Today, he is working on two startups designed for Dex that we're going to focus in this series and also read with love. Hi, and thank you. Thank you for making the time to be with us today. Thank you, Tatiana. I appreciate being here with you and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Wonderful. Let's start with a bit of a background. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm Sam. I am originally from New York. Uh, at 18 years old, I moved to Israel, spent a little over a decade there. And as of two years ago, I'm actually based out of Budapest. Um, oh. I, yeah, yeah. So I'm based out of Budapest currently. My wife is in medical school here. So we're here as a family. Uh, I'm enjoying it as well. I tend to keep myself busy in two different fields. I enjoy marketing and operations. And I've you know, been involved in, you know, as you said in your introduction in the world of tech for the past five years, working in various marketing tech companies and the likes. And then uh, that, you know, one thing led to another. And now I found myself with two small businesses that um, excited to discuss over here. Mm-hmm. So let's let's touch on on those. I think um, we mentioned we're going to focus more on the design for the next one since it's more relevant to our audience. So before we jump into that, let's just talk a little bit more about the other one, and then we can leave it alone. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you're asking about, about read with love. Read with love. Yeah. That's yes. It. Yes. So uh, as a uh, busy parent, I, I find myself often, you know, I do my best to give my kids a proper bedtime experience. And one of the difficulties that I experienced was that sometimes either I'm on late night meetings or even away, and we tried different things to give our kids something, something somewhat meaningful before they go to bed. Um, and I had this idea, I said, hey, let's try taking my wife's voice, she's not often home by bedtime, and voice cloning it using voice cloning software and creating stories for the kids. So I did that and I showed it to my daughter and I, I could right away tell that it was not her, because of the emotion, but my daughter's like, wow, mom read that story so beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, wow, that's great. So I tried this out a few times and I I had some, you know, other friends who I did this for as well. I took a voice sample, cloned it, applied my process to it and their kids enjoyed it as well. And we recently started uh, marketing it. We're getting our first sales, which is exciting. It's slowly, slowly growing. Um, but yeah, it's just in its early stages right now and we'll see, we'll see what's in store for it. Very cool. I like that. It reminds me of when I was little, um, I'm the eldest of three and my little brother was like, I was like, read me a story, read me a story, read me a story. And at some point I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I can't be dealing with that. So I was recording them with a cassette, you know, the, the, I was recording stories and I was like, yeah, that, that was you know, Spotify before Spotify or Audible, that sort of thing. So you're kind of taking that to another level. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, yeah, and uh, they're enjoying it and we're enjoying it. And uh, we're just trying to keep developing it and growing it and reaching more families. Very cool. So let's talk about design for Dex now. That's the that's the, the main focus. Tell me a little bit more about, uh, to, let's start with the name because we're focused on naming and branding. And you chose a name that is very, very like obviously telling what it does. What was the reasoning there? Yeah, so that's a, it's a great question. We we wanted to keep it really, really simple and really, really clean. There are a lot of people 
who design pitch decks. There are a lot of people who build pitch decks. There are a lot of pitch deck consultants. We want to make it ex- explicitly clear. What we do is we design decks. So we called it Design for Decks. And it's worked. When people reach out to us, nine out of 10 times, they understand that we are here to design your deck. Um, I, believe it was, I believe it was my partner's idea. And he actually started with a different name. He started first with Done For You Decks when we first started. And that was before we had partnered. He was doing that and, and he didn't enjoy it. So we were actually looking for two things. One, we were looking for it to be very clear about what we do. And two is we were looking for a fresh start with the company with the new the new process and everything else we put in place. So yeah, we we chose that name a little over two years ago. We've been running with it since. Mm. And in terms of choosing the, the domain name, there's a lot of like funky extensions now. What is your strategy there? What was your... Your process yeah. we, we want design for decks.com. We want to keep it once again very simple, very clean. We're, we're not trying to present ourselves as a tech company. We're not trying to present who we are. We and that's that's been our brand straight across the board. We're actually doing a brand for refresh now. And that's what you'll see in our logo. That's what you'll see in our website. Simple, mm. clean, simple, clean, obvious. That's uh, kind of what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at your website right now. It's very much that. It's like I, I like it. Honestly, I think that there was probably a uh, periods of time where people were expecting funky stuff on the internet and now there's just too much of it you you just want things to be simple and straightforward yeah and and with our refresh it's actually going to be even cleaner and simpler simpler believe it or not <laughs> cool and so tell me what do you do what 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 do you offer yes. how does the process work Thank you. Yeah. So we're a pitch deck design and education firm. So design is our, our main offer. And what we're doing is basically taking pitch decks, companies who are raising capital from investors or investors who are raising a fund to raise capital from other investors. And they now need to tell a story. They need to go and, and raise capital. They need to very concisely and effectively tell a story. So we're taking their narrative, we're taking their story, and we're using design elements and design communication to make sure that story is extremely clear extremely well presented, and that the main ideas, the main headline, the main point from each slide sticks in their audience's mind. So that's our primary offer. And then in addition to that, we also have, uh, we run boot camps and workshops. That's like group education. And now we just launched a pitch deck review service, which is basically our way of reaching a lot of entrepreneurs who otherwise couldn't justify paying for our services. So it's very low price, very simple service. They send us their deck. We give them feedback for how to improve it. Mm. Well, that's a that's a great great idea. And in your experience, what would you say are the most common misconceptions about pitch decks? It's a great question, and it's actually something that I myself I'm always thinking about. Especially when I'm going to give speak, you know, to speak to audiences, presentations, workshops. I need to understand who the audience is to know what their most common mistakes are. So for mm. certain founders, for certain founders, it's going to be just a framework. They're they're in their head. A pitch deck is a means to fundraise, to raise capital, which it is. Except a pitch deck is just the first meeting. It takes multiple meetings until you're going to actually raise that capital. So what's important is, is that you have the goal in mind. The singular goal of your first pitch to an investor is getting to the second meeting. You can't include mm. your whole story. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You've done this for, for five years. You've invested your heart, soul, and life and sacrificed everything. You need to just keep the biggest highlights, the clearest points, and a simple, clean narrative. So that's definitely a mistake that affects, I would say, founders at all stage, but definitely newer founders. Mm. The other huge mistake I see, which is actually more common in repeat founders and, and also very bright founders, is that they, because they are smart and surrounded by smart people and surrounded by good advisors, they often find themselves communicating on a level that cannot be understood by their audience. 
So that obviously is the use of acronyms and all sorts of industry jargon and the use of complicated words and explaining features that aren't so important. And that's just a matter of, you know, dumbing it down, keeping it simple, making sure your, your narrative is, is clear to whoever your audience is and whatever level of initiation they have. So I'll start with those two and then I can probably list 40 more, but that's for a longer time. <laughs> <laughs> and do you do you help people on or entrepreneurs on the actual like content and the story or or do they like they give you the content and you work more on the presentation side how does that work yeah so it's also a great question we we had this discussion internally and we said no we want to focus just on design the reality is is that we also want to focus on decks that are going to race successfully and and thankfully until today our track record is is quite good uh, what ended up happening is that we're looking at decks and we're doing, you know, uh, my partner's doing the design onboarding calls with them. And he says, listen, this content just isn't there. And he ends up helping them with the content. And then it becomes something that we we weren't charging for. And we're still not charging for it, to be honest, but we include it now as part of our process. We do a complimentary content review call with everyone who comes in for design. And that's in case they need it, which until today, everyone has improved their decks on some level based on that. The educational mm-hmm. content, the workshops, the masterclasses, those do have a heavy focus on the content and messaging as well. We won't write their content mm-hmm. for them, but we can help them uh, use frameworks and formulas to build out their content. And then on the review service as well, I put a lot of focus on the content or, or really I look at their deck and see where they need help. And until now, it's been both content and design on every deck I've touched. Mm. And I'm sure that's something that a lot of founders, well, all of founders are interested in. If you can sort of, in your experience, summarize what what are investors looking for in a pitch deck? Like, is, is, it does it match what, what you see people think is? So investors all have their investor thesis, and that basically is the, the guidelines and the rules by which they're going to invest. So that can be in what industries they're going to be investing, that can be at what stage, that can be the size of the checks they're writing, that can be the types of founders that they invest in, if they're diversity focused or anything like that. But ultimately, in order to get investment from any from any investor, there are certain, I would say, ground rules. The first one is make sure they can actually understand what you're doing. And that's it. On your first slide, if you cannot very concisely summarize what you do as a company and they can't understand it, then you lost them. Um, obviously, it's extremely important to, uh, with early stage, there's going to be a lot of focus on the team. You know, when, when it's not a well-developed company, they're investing in you as a founder. So it's very important to highlight mm. the team, why they're relevant for this experience, relevant industry experience, wins, previous experience in similar companies, in similar roles. That's going to be critical. Uh, the size of the opportunity, uh, venture capital is a game, you know, based on 10x and up returns, right? They're making a lot of bets. Most most don't succeed, but they need the one, the wins to be big wins. And therefore, they need to be convinced that there's and there's a problem that is big enough that needs to be solved and that solving this problem is worth enough money. So those are kind of, I'd say, the big ones. Then the last one is why now? They, there's a big focus on why should your, why should we invest in your company right now? Why is your idea right now is a good time to you know run with your idea. And that's another important piece that if you don't include in your pitch deck explicitly or implicitly, you can expect the investors to, to ask that in one of their first uh, two or three questions. Mm. And where does naming come into it? We, we have some, like we've covered some stories. Some, the first one that comes to mind is the calm, calm.com. Um, and I came across some very, very early interview with first investors and uh, they were saying because the, the founder uh, worked on securing precisely that domain name, which is 
really stands out as, you know, short one word.com name at that early stage. It's, it's rare that businesses show that sort of commitment. And it was appreciated by the investors. They were like, okay, I can see you serious about that business. So I can see you here to stay. What is your experience with that? How does name and naming generally play into, into that process? So I, I actually have never been on that side of the conversation. I've never heard that play a role in the conversation, but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? I, I don't sit with the with the, the founders in their meetings. Right? For some of them, I get recaps after I, I learn about the raise and whatever it is. Mm. I'm, I'm not I'm not familiar, but I, what I can say is I've seen quite a few times, even with uh, founders that have come to us that they've built previous successful companies and now they're building their second or their third, they have a name. We build a deck based on their name and their brand. And then I see by their next round of fundraising, they already have a brand new name. So obviously mm. they felt they were advised by people they trust or they felt it was important enough that there was something in their name that wasn't enough. And for that reason, they have to change it. And and, and completely radical changes. I'm not talking about adding like a dot mm. to me or then like um, names that you wouldn't identify the two companies as the same. The only reason I know mm. is because we did their decks. <laughs> <laughs> so it does. Yeah, it, it is interesting. It is interesting. And uh, I mean, uh, at least in my experience, because I'm on a different uh, side of that where like when those people raise money and they are looking at get advised by uh, investors or they they get signals from their audience that, that their current name is not good enough and they start changing, that's why I came in and, and we're looking at uh, better options. But definitely, like you said, the, the, the thing that is common there, it, it usually happens once they have some level of success. Yeah, I, I, I'll take your word for it. This is not my domain of expertise. <laughs> uh, so how does the process go? Uh, to what the, stage? Yeah, what stage do, should the uh, an entrepreneur? So obviously they they're looking to raise money. At what stage should they turn to you for help? What is is there some uh, better timing? Like should they put everything together and then come to you, or before that? Or how does it work? Yeah, it's a great question. So for the the the, sim- the services where the entrepreneur is doing it themselves, like the workshops or or you know or the boot camp or the pitch deck review, the earlier the better, because if they're starting and going totally in the wrong direction, we can correct them and save them a lot of time. With the, the design side, where we're essentially only getting involved once the content and the narrative is really in place, they should come to us once they can answer the big questions, once the content is you know 80% distributed across their slides. And at that point, we can begin the conversation. And, and like I said, the con- we may have a discussion a little bit about their content, but as soon as their content is in place, we'll immediately start on the design process. So uh, as much as possible, because content or design is in, in essence, we're communicating the narrative they're trying to say. If they don't yet have their narrative in place, they don't yet have their story in place, the design won't be as effective. I mean, we can make it as, you know, as all designers hate hearing, make it pretty. But if we want it to be effective, if we want it to bring out their message, if we want to present their data in the clearest possible way, in the most effective possible way, they need to be quite closed on their content. Uh, that being said, because it is fundraising is largely seasonal, there are times where we just, you know, we, we have so many coming in and it does help to let us or probably any any other pitch deck design firm know a couple of months ahead of time, hey, we are planning on using you or hey, we want to have a conversation with you. Please reserve us a spot. And that way, when they do come in, we're ready for them and, uh, and you know, we can immediately start and we don't need to delay them or anything, anything else. So mm. the process, yeah. So the process starts with them giving us a deck that's 80, 90% ready on the content side. We do a review with them. We do a d- design onboarding with them. We collect their brand assets if they have. If they don't have a brand because they're quite fresh, 
then my partner will determine, you know, a typeface and a color scheme for them for their, just for the deck. And some of them, you know, obviously use it elsewhere as well. And then uh, first round of design, move everything to Figma. Figma is our preferred design platform. So we move everything over there. 10 days till they get their first design pass, feedback, design, feedback, design, and about two and a half weeks from start to finish from when we get a deck until we return it to them um, mm. refreshed, renewed, redesigned. And do you find there are any trends in in pitch decks? Like, is are there some things that are trendy and then they change? Like, does it change by industry? How do you feel that that works? Yeah, absolutely. So I I notice trends, but there there's two things that you want to know. There's trends of what people are doing, and there's trends of what's effective, and those are very mm. different things. Uh, I a lot of you know, we've been been doing this over two years now, and obviously I've been learning a lot, but I can't say that I've seen the trends over 20 years, but I have also read about trends. So one example is advisors. There used to be a lot of focus put on including who your advisors are because you're early stage and because you're new. And today the, the opposite is true. Advisors are kind of viewed as like a bluff, like what, what makes someone an advisor? You know, any mm. person can put their name on it. And, and that's a trend that we can definitely see where people have gone from, you know, using advisors to now taking them out. A second trend I would say is probably um, a second trend I would say is that depending on the industry, the style of the design. So we design mm. very clean, very clean, a lot of white space, but with certain verticals like Web three, I haven't seen a single deck that looks like that. They're all you know <laughs> hyper, uh, new age, futuristic, uh, and that's it makes sense. But they're, they're usually very different than the types of decks that we've worked on. And I would say the third trend is that there's a push to make decks shorter and shorter and cleaner and cleaner. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, there's, it's, it's very easy to be an entrepreneur today. It's very easy to build a business online or, or, or build something. And because investors are inundated with like tons and tons and tons of decks that we want to keep it clean and simple. So I would say those are some trends I would highlight. Mm. And what about artificial intelligence and like chat GPT? I mean, how do you feel um, that is already affecting where, where do you see it going with pitch decks like, as it does everything else. Like I'm sure you can, you know, go to ChatGPT and say, you know, write out a pitch deck about whatever. Like how, how do you feel about that? So, uh, yeah, I've actually spent, I can't tell you how many tens of hours <laughs> testing every single, every single AI based uh, pitch deck creator. And that's both in terms of uh, content and also in terms of design. And there's mm. a lot of different methods. So some of them, there's some programs online, which I would never recommend using which is sticking your idea in one sentence and it builds a pitch deck for you. Um, yeah, I wouldn't use that. There are some programs that they take prompts. They ask you questions, you respond to them and they give you something. To me, that's that's acceptable. And I think for a first draft, you know, you're know, you going to have 40 iterations and keep improving mm. and really iron down your narrative. I think that can be helpful if it's prompt-based. Um, but you, just telling to chat GPT to write a pitch deck for you, you'll feel good because you have your version one ready. And if that's what you need to like get yourself moving, then great. But I would probably toss eighty percent of what they wrote. You, your, your story has to be yours. You're being, in, they're investing mm-hmm. in you, they're investing in your idea, they're investing in your company, and uh, relying too heavily on on any sort of AI right now is is not very effective. And I've put all of them, I've put all of them through the tests over and over and over, and I follow the developments. And I could say that there are definitely AI assisted tools like uh, Beautiful Data AI and Pitch.com both incorporate AI into their designs, and you should definitely use those. If it can make it easier for, if you don't have a professional designer and you're doing it yourself and you can lean on tools that are going to help you um, 
create charts that are dynamic. So when I change numbers and adjust them and, and crop to the, the important part of the pictures, go for it. But on the content side right now, other than helping you just have that view on on paper, it doesn't really bring mm. you much closer to your goal. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll definitely agree on that, that, that it should be seen as a tool, not as, you know, the main thing. So in, yeah. in that case, yeah, you can't replace your, you know, your brand's mission and your vision with just that. It will probably give you some ideas, but it's not going to be unique in it personally anyway. Yeah, there are two there are two companies that I'm specifically tracking that I believe are actually in the right direction and I'm excited to see how they improve, but I can't say there's any that I can say at this point. Rely on them and you'll get your deck to even 70 or 80% done. Mm. So, yeah. And and do you envisage incorporating that in, in your company as a like part of your service? So our design service, we definitely won't use that. On the copy side, I, I generally don't recommend it either. But if I see a, a client who, for instance, has uh, struggles very much with English, or I see a lot of grammar mistakes or something like that, mm. and I don't want them holding them back, I'll say, listen, you should hire a copywriter. But if you can't, at a minimum, put your copy in here, let them fix it up for you. Um, mm. And I've, I've toyed with the idea of partnering with one of these services, but none of them are at a point there where I can confidently say, hey, I recommend using this. So currently, currently mm. that's just no, but I'll keep, I'll keep, um, keep a finger on the pulse and see how things progress. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure as we've all do, it, it, it does seem to be going quick. <laughs> so what, well, last, last question. What are you up to this year? You said you're going through uh, revamping your, your uh, presence, your website design. So what, what are you looking forward to this year? Yeah, so we, for the last two years, we've worked purely on inbound and word of mouth. And it's been great, but in order to continue growing and reach a lot of new audiences, we we are trying new initiatives. So we're in the early testing phases. Um, to an extent, that's going to be just putting out more content that people can, you know, get a sense of how we work, our philosophy, and and give value to people before they can consider coming to us. So I've just started that in the past month or two, and and we've received inbound leads already. Um, I'm considering a few other marketing tactics. I have like a board with all the different ideas and what's moving where and when and kind of how I run things. Uh, communities, we're, we're, we're doing now workshops for more communities, uh, a few high-impact founder communities we've already done for. And now we have a few high-impact ones coming in as well. And if, if that, if I do see that, I mean, they're being received well, but if I see that it brings us leads as well, then I'll probably double down on that as, on that as well. And yeah, like you said, the brand refresh, which is going to be a pretty big project. Wonderful. Well, that, that's been a pleasure. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be interesting for our listeners. Thank you for making the time. Thank you so much, Tatiana. I really appreciate you and I appreciate the conversation. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.